Shut up and sit down. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are live again. A guy thing podcast live experience. I am amped as always. Uh, to do this podcast. It's so much fun for me, as I always tell my my viewers and listeners. Uh, but uh, I do want to tell you that uh, I just want to give a special thank you real quick to Gwen from Eruption Boxing all the way in California. Uh, Gwen is awesome. Uh, Gwen at Eruption Boxing, any boxing gloves that you need, MMA pads, MMA gloves, anything at all that you need, uh, hit them up, eruptionboxing.com. They are the best in the game. Also, congratulations to Brian Maxwell, who won a set of free gloves. So congratulations, and I hope you kick some ass with those gloves. Um, also, I wanted to give a shout-out uh, to my sponsors as well. Uh, first and foremost, my boy, Frank Cristiano, Cross Country Mortgages. The man closes loans within seven days. I think he's on six days now. The guy will answer the phone no matter when you call him. You could call him during the ball drop. He will literally say, three, two, one, how can I help you? That's the kind of guy he is. He's not kissing babies when that ball drops. He's answering your phone call, 561-504-1278. Uh, also, please do me a favor. Follow me at A Guy Think Podcast all across social media, as well as the website to check out the latest and greatest stuff that's going on, guests, sponsors, and uh, you know just all the recent news with guythinkpodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe. I'm also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much every major podcast platform out there. Um, and also hit up Deck Masters of South Florida for all your deck needs. Floor in the front, floor in the back, outside. They're going to make it look like a resort. They're the best in the game. Check them out, deckmastersofsouthflorida.com if you're in the South Florida area. Uh, but today I have a very, very special guest, and I'm very excited to have her on. Uh, she has many, many accolades, which we're going to get into. Uh, but me as a Yankee fan, I am very pleased to have her on. She is the first woman in the history of Major League Baseball to be hired as a hitting coach, Rachel Belkovec. Rachel, welcome aboard. What's up? I'm, <laughs> I'm amped as always too. You don't know that, your guests don't know this, but I'm always amped, so I'm excited to be on. Oh my God, that's awesome. I am so happy that you're on the show. And, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing for me as a Yankee fan because, you know, I love the Yankees and I'm always tuning in to any news that comes up. And... All of a sudden, I heard the Yankees hired a, a woman hitting coach, first time ever. I'm like, okay, what's going on over here? Let's see what's going on. So, <laughs> you know, obviously, I mean, it must have been very difficult for you to to break in to baseball, uh, especially on a professional level, because that's all men. So, you know, how, how, how did this all happen? Uh, I saw, you know, so the audience knows, like, I was prepped with some of these questions, and it was like, how did you get hired by the Yankees? And I'm like, man, this question could, I could answer this for an hour or I can answer this for 10 seconds. Like it just depends on what you want to know. But I mean, getting the, I would say getting the hitting coach job was like relatively easy compared to like just getting into baseball in general. Mm -hmm. um, so how I got the job with the Yankees was more or less the, um, the hitting coordinator currently for the Yankees. His name is Dylan Lawson and he uh, was a mentor of mine with the Astros. So I was with the Astros for three years previously um, as a strength and conditioning coach. And just like, I'm a curious person. I played softball in college. And so I was really mentored by a lot of the hitting and pitching coaches, um, along with, 
strength and conditioning. And so I just learned a ton about the Astros hitting philosophy and all that through Dylan. And then he was hired with the Yankees. Long story short, I went back to school. I was kind of considering a career change and getting into hitting and eventually the front office. And so we had talked for quite a while um, after I decided to go back to school last year in Europe that, you know, he was like, you should think about being a hitting coach. And so that's kind of how that happened. It just Hmm. was, I knew him from the Astros. He was a mentor of mine. And so he hired me on. He knows kind of what I'm capable of and, and what I'm doing with my research as well. So that's how I got the hitting coach job. How I got into baseball was like is like a whole other story, but um, more or less like that was a little bit more difficult. So like breaking in the first time as a strength and conditioning coach, that was just uh, I mean, it, it's a long story, but it was it was difficult. I definitely faced a lot of like pretty blatant discrimination in that uh, time in my life. But uh, once I got my foot in the door and I think now this will be my seventh uh, season of professional baseball and I think I have a a reputation where people know I'm there to work. And so they're, they're, the discrimination thing, I don't think is really at play much anymore. So, mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, what kind of like, you know, what kind of things happened to you while you were breaking into major league baseball that you felt like, Oh wow, I'm being discriminated against or, you know, an uncomfortable feeling that you're trying to fit in, but people aren't really giving you that, that fair shake. Yeah. I mean, there's like the feeling cause that, that, happens you're you wonder you think like is this because i'm a girl or is this because i'm a woman that i'm not getting a job but i was le- actually literally told blatantly that i wouldn't be hired because i was a woman by one organization wow um and so i i can like briefly share that story like basically yeah. i had been um i was 25 i had been uh a graduate assistant strength coach i'd interned at i think six places up to that time i'd actually interned for the st louis cardinals as a strength and conditioning coach the previous summer and then I moved to Phoenix and um, if you know anything about baseball you know that spring training happens half of in Florida and half in Phoenix so right. there's a there's a lot of teams based in Phoenix there's a lot of opportunity there with jobs and so I just thought oh I'll apply for um, again a very low-level internship and I kind of just started to like you know I, I started to apply and I applied for almost 10 jobs and got almost nothing back and long story short finally I got a call from an organization they interviewed me. They said, you know, you're a girl, like we want to hire you. And I was like, okay, great. You know that I was like, wow, this is tough, tough competition. No one even responded to my emails. No one even responded to me applying besides wow. this one team. So they said, okay, you're a girl. We want to hire you, but we got to like get through some HR stuff. We'll call you in a few days. Well, I never heard from them. Well, then two weeks later, three weeks later, something like that, I had, I had followed up. I'm like, what happened? Nothing. You know, this guy said he wanted to hire me and then I never heard from him. <laughs> And, you know, the doubt starts to creep in, but he called me finally and he was like, hey, you know, I have some bad news. He actually apologized and was like, hey, just I want to hire you. But to be honest, like our front office will not let me hire a woman. And I was like, wow, you know that first of all, that's illegal. (laughs) Second of all, but but I felt very relieved and like I was appreciative that he was actually honest. I was like, okay, like, wow, it's just my gender. Like, at least I'm doing the right things in my resume. So there was this weird sense of relief when he said, hey, we're discriminated against you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but then he was like, I was like, well, thanks, you know, for being honest. And he was like, well, uh, it gets worse. And I was like, how could this possibly get worse? And he was like, well, you know, after I found out that I wasn't going to be able to hire you, I called around to all of these other teams that I know have open positions based off of the fact that they posted them, all of the ones that I applied for and never heard from. Hmm. And he was like, and they said the same thing that they had received your resume, but they, you know, that they couldn't hire a woman. And like, cause my resume was very good for a young coach at the time. Hmm. So did they give I, you a reason you know, as to why they didn't want to hire you because you were a woman? Was there anything yeah. 
that they gave. Okay, what was that? I mean, just like the at the time. So you got to think it's crazy, like how much has changed. But at the time, this was 2013. So that's we're not talking about the 80s, the 50s. We're talking about like 2013. It's pretty crazy that they just felt that at the time they're probably like maybe three or four athletic trainers in the game. Um, and that's a much more like, it's a much more like accepted role for a woman to be an athletic trainer. Cause it's a nurturing role, right? Like they're mm -hmm. the athletic trainer is like taking care of people with injuries and they're kind you know, they're like, it's a much more nurturing role. Furthermore, the field of athletic training is saturated with women. So it's like 60% women, 40% men. When you cross over strength and conditioning, that role is very much like an authoritative position where like every single day I have to like, Engage, I have to, you know, make people do what they don't want to do, basically. Like, I right. have to, like, be firm with them, you know, and it's not as much of a nurturing role. And furthermore, the field of strength and conditioning is like 15% women, 85% men. So it's just a much le less accepted role for women to, to have. Mm -hmm. And so not only were there very, very few, like, sports performance professionals that were women at the time, I'm talking about probably five or less total. Hmm. Um, there were zero strength and conditioning coaches that were women. And so for them to conceptualize that a woman could, you know, enter into a fully male situation and I think handle themselves in every way, you know, professionally and also just demand respect is mm -hmm. like very hard for them to conceptualize. So I don't, you know, that was kind of, it's not like they said, this is the reason, but that's kind of just what I've heard. And, you know, so like that was, People, like going back to your original question is like what made you feel like you're being discriminated against yeah. it wasn't that i felt like i was being discriminated against i actually was told uh which is better like instead of just me sitting there going why am i not getting even an email response like literally just ghosted you know yeah. instead of kind of wondering i had an answer which made me feel mm -hmm. a little bit better strangely i was like oh okay <laughs> Like, oh, it's just my gender. Like, no big deal. You know, at least I knew I was like putting in the right work and mm -hmm. making the right connections. And I had a great resume. It just was, I was going to have to wait for a team to give me an opportunity. And then the next year, coming around the next season, it was getting late in the off season. And I thought, again, I was going to have to sit another year out of baseball. But the Cardinals came back and hired me as a full time, um, as their minor league coordinator, which is a huge role. So, um, happy ending to the story. And obviously I'm still in baseball and now I've crossed over to hitting. So mm -hmm. the original story, like everyone's seeing kind of, Oh, you're a hitting coach now. Oh wait, I'm, I'm seeing this problem. Is there a bias against all coaches with no MLB experience? Okay. I'll tackle that in a second. It's a really good question from Ray. Um, yeah. So now I'm crossing over to hitting and people are like, Oh, like, it's kind of like everyone's focusing on that I'm like wait my story actually started like in 2012 with baseball so it's been a, a journey but uh ray's question was is there a bias against all coaches with no mlb experience um i think that's fading very quickly we're in this like really weird and awesome time where there's a window for coaches with zero mlb experience to mm -hmm. get in because of the tech that's happening so there's a ton of technology entering the game um it has been for a while but it's just so huge now so there's plenty of people with MLB experience that can't turn on a computer. And so they're mm. kind of getting weeded out and, or, or they can turn on a computer, but you know what I'm saying? Like their technology experience is so little and also just the willingness to learn might not be there. Mm -hmm. So if they're not willing to learn this technology to produce tangible numbers, which is what the front office wants, then they're kind of getting weeded out or pushed out of the game. Right. And that's creating opportunities for other people who have less experience, but are willing to learn the technology or already know the technology or have that background 
And so that's creating opportunities for them. Whereas probably even five years ago, that wasn't the case. And even five, five years from now, that won't be the case because you're going to see, I think we're just in this little window of time where there's this opportunity for people with less experience like myself, you know, mm -hmm. I've, I've experienced in baseball, but not in hitting, like I've limited experience in hitting technically. So there's, it's creating a window where this like little bit of time here where there's not a lot of people with baseball experience. However, we're seeing players that are coming up through the game now with a ton of experience with this technology right. that are going to get into coaching. And so five years from now, you're going to see a lot more recently released, you know, players that have all this experience from playing and experience th this technology and learning these numbers and understanding mm -hmm. these numbers. And they're going to be, be the next wave of coaches. But in the meantime, there's this window where, you know, to answer your question, Ray is like, that's not really the bias is fading. I mean, I think it's still there, but it's fading quickly. And in the next five years, that'll be gone. Hmm. Yeah, I hope that answered your question. Well, Ray, and it, and it makes sense, you know, technology is huge, you know, uh, in every sport, you know, we have instant replay. We didn't have that, you know, forever. And now, you know, that's been a very successful portion in technology and in baseball, uh, which is make makes a break a game, you know? So I think it, yeah. technology is very important. Now you uh, were a strength and conditioning coordinator for the, the Astros and the Cardinals, correct? I was the minor league strength and conditioning coordinator for the Cardinals. And mm -hmm. then I was the Latin American strength and conditioning coordinator for two years for the Astros. And I spent the mm -hmm. last season with them uh, in 2018 i was in double a before i left and went back to school so yeah tell me a little bit about your experience working with both organizations and how they how they treated you and did they make you feel welcome and and things of that nature yeah i just i don't have much i mean i'm i have mostly positive things to say about both of them um the cardinals are probably a little bit more like traditional uh baseball whereas the astros i think it's pretty well known the astros are like super progressive, very, very aggressive in their um, use of technology and stats. And they're definitely, um, they're pushing the boundaries in like every way possible. I mean, it's pretty incredible what they're doing. And then you're, I mean, you're seeing the success that they're having, um, they've been having over the past few years. So I, I, I don't know, I have a lot of positive things to say about how I was treated, what I learned, just the opportunities that I was given, because I, I mean, ultimately I owe them People say, oh, what does it feel like to be a pioneer? And I always just think, like, I'm not the pioneer. They, like, the organizations that have hired me are the pioneers. So I'm just forever grateful for the opportunities that they've given is mm -hmm. a summary. Um, yeah, most recently with the Astros is probably what led me. Not probably. It's definitely what led me, like, down the path of wanting to switch careers, go into hitting. And then eventually, you know, later down the road, I'd like to be in the front office. And it's because of the ingenuity and the, and the forward-thinking people that I met in the Astros organization that kind of, planted the seed in my head like this is this is probably a route that I want to take just because I've been truly just inspired by what they've been able to, to do so mm -hmm. yeah really great words um and I'm, uh, I'm very happy to hear that uh, you were treated well and you had the opportunity that you had and uh but since we're on the topic of the Houston Astros I did want to ask you what you're because you were really on the inside is a lot of stuff in the news right now about the Houston Ash Astros cheating scandal uh, but, you know, you being a part of the Astro organization, what are your thoughts and, and insight on what's been going on with the Astros? You know, um, I honestly just like I don't know anything about any cheating scandal. Like I, I don't I can safely say that I didn't experience or see that firsthand or if that happened or, you know, but I, I would say it. I just say it's about any time that someone has brought up like the 
like deflating the balls and stuff like that whole thing. It's just like, you know, no one would even be giving a shit if they were losing, you know, <laughs> but anytime someone's successful, there's going to be something that comes out about someone, you know, there's just like, there's almost like there's no clean record of someone who's extremely successful, whether that's an individual, you know, a business or whatever. And I feel like that's probably going on. I don't know if it was going on with the Astros or not. Like, I think that's still left, left to be. Well, as a Yankee fan, I want to believe they cheated because, you know, we lost (laughs) game seven of the ALCS in 2017. So I do want to believe that they cheated. I just don't want Garrett Cole to get in any trouble. That's all. (laughs) Yeah, all the opponents are happy that this is coming out. Um, I don't know. I think I think if anything, I'm kind of sad because I know what I experienced. And and like I said, the ingenuity and the forward thinking that I saw and the true development development that was going on at the minor league level. And so. I know that they were teaching and, and really promoting swing decisions and training swing decisions. And so if anything, I'm just sad to see that take away from what was, I know truly firsthand, I saw what was going on with development and the forward thinking principles that they were using to teach. So if anything, I'm sad that it's like taking away from that because I know what I saw and what was going on was really um, truly amazing and, and ahead of the game. And so if that's taking away from what people think and they say, Oh, that I guess they weren't actually, doing that in player development or whatever, because they were just cheating to get better stats. I mean, that takes away from what I know was truly going on. So um, that's the sad part of it. But, uh, but again, I just like, Oh, of course, like someone's going to find something that was going on that they don't like that just says, Oh, well, that's, that's how they're winning. That must be how they're winning. That must be how they've been so successful over the past three, four years. It can't be that they're actually doing something good, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I could definitely say it's a great, definitely a great team. You know, even without Garrett Cole, they're still a great team, which I'm sure they'll make another move and get somebody else. You know, they got to compete. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, I, I really hope they cheat. <laughs> I can like, just see, yeah, yeah. very selfish, you know. But yeah, uh, right, I can see it on the Yankees jersey you're wearing. Says that you are hoping that they cheated, so that explains <laughs> why the Yankees did. What I got you, I'm with you. Hey. I got yeah. that. I got that same logo on me now, so I get it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I get you. Uh, speaking of Yankees, I have a question from Ralph. How are you going to help with the strikeout rate? I think that the Yankees' biggest issue with the strikeouts in clutch situations. Uh, it's an interesting question, considering my boss. Uh, if you know, if you like, do any little bit of digging on Dylan uh, Lawson, he's he's huge on that. And so swing decisions is something definitely I know that they've already put a a huge emphasis on and something that he was a huge catalyst for with the Astros and cheating aside, like I said, (laughs) I can just tell you what was going on, you know, at the mighty level and player development. It's a, it's definitely a becoming a bigger topic of discussion in general in the game. Um, Something that was by the way, started 20 years ago with the A's with Billy Bean talking about getting on base and just on base percentage versus just like a batting average. Uh, it's not a new concept, but I think it's becoming a much more important concept. And so that's something that I picked up from Dylan himself and and talking about, you know, making good swing decisions and what goes into that from a training perspective and also mm-hmm. measuring. So something I'm doing at Driveline Baseball right now, uh, which we didn't touch on, but I'm currently doing research as a part of my degree at Driveline Baseball in Seattle. And that's part of my research is doing eye tracking. And so understanding um, not only just like from a mental side of things, like being prepared at the plate, making better swing decisions, but also like literally how can we, it's a physical trait, like the vision piece of it is a physical trait that we can train. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a plenty of room to grow there. And I can assure you that Dylan, uh, that's definitely one of his passions. So I imagine that uh, that'll be a 
huge uh, area of focus as you're asking, Ralph. So good question. Excellent question, Ralph. Thank you very much. Now, I want to ask you, too, uh, do you see yourself becoming the first woman to work as a coach on the major league level? Um, I know earlier you said, you know, you didn't think you were going to get into, you know, major league baseball or baseball in general. Uh, but here you are and you have this wonderful opportunity. <laughs> so has your thinking changed and now you have uh, some bigger goals? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's, let's put it this way. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I, I have like, <laughs> I have so much to learn um, just with this role with the Yankees and, and they have like this, this all-star staff. Like I'm so excited to, just go and learn from the people there and they continue like every time they're still hiring people and every time they hire someone I'm like, man, I can't wait to learn from that person. So I have plenty of work to do in the here and now. Um, I'll just say that I know that it's possible that I could be on a major league staff. I don't have any doubt that that's a possibility for my future. Um, but I'm just like not really worried about it at the moment. And I, I definitely have like future goals, but, um, and I, I guess I'll say like this, like, it's possible that I could be on major league staff. It's possible that I could be a manager. It's possible that I can be a general manager. It's possible I can be a farm director. Like I don't really see any limits for myself in that way. So it's, it's possible. Um, but in the here and now, I'm not really like concerned with that, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that'd be great to have uh, a woman as a GM. There's a lot of men around bargaining all the time at the winter meetings. I think it would be nice to have a woman in there to switch things up a little bit and knock these guys yeah. on their ass. <laughs> <laughs> So that's uh, no, I think that's pretty cool. So I had another question too from looks like uh, Ray's got a question uh, regarding softball. What's the biggest difference you've seen moving to a sixty foot mound as opposed to softball standard? And also, congrats on softball getting back into the Olympics. Very good, Ray. Uh, I mean, I don't even know how to answer. That. Like, it's so funny. I don't know the answer to that question in a puzzle way because I haven't spent any time in softball. <laughs> it sounds like sounds interesting but i guess i spent the past six seven years working with all men in baseball so mm -hmm. um i don't really have a good answer for that and i think that's actually a pretty potent like point or like people ask me the question like what's the difference between coaching men and women and i'm like i don't know like mm -hmm. i don't know i've been coaching men for so long that i don't really have a great answer for that um thanks for the congratulations on softball getting back into the olympics i think that's great for the game I'm really happy for, you know, a lot of my friends just said are coaches and stuff. I played softball in college, obviously, so I appreciate the opportunity that I had to be an athlete in college and to play, you know, a game. It definitely has helped me in my baseball career just to, hey, I can throw a ball. I, I definitely have the shoulder pain to prove it. <laughs> and I definitely have, like, had those struggles and understand what it means to struggle at the plate and all those things have, have been good crossovers. But uh, I don't really know that much about softball. <laughs> to be honest with you, unfortunately. So I, I don't have a great answer for you, Ray. So I, I read that you were a Division One NCAA catcher. Mm -hmm. uh, for, was that New Mexico? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. But not on a coaching uh, level. Nope. I never okay. coached in softball. Got it. Got it. What was uh, So you were a strength and conditioning coordinator at LSU? Um, I was a at, when I was at LSU, I was a graduate assistant. So basically, they I worked full time as a strength coach, and they paid mm -hmm. for my master's degree. So that was oh, kind nice. of my I guess stepping stone after graduating with my undergraduate degree and having some internships. I was able to get that at LSU, which was huge. I mean, excellent athletic department to be a part of. Just extremely high standards, extremely high intensity. 
um, definitely like fit well with my personality in general, but I think probably like took me to another level in that way. And, and also just like formed some of my really foundational coaching beliefs. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I was at LSU for two years and it was, it was a hell of an experience before I got into professional baseball. Pretty awesome. Now you also do a lot of uh, public speaking as well. Motivational yeah, speaking. To. Tell me about that and how you got involved with, uh, with that. Cause I think that's really interesting. Um, I mean, I don't, necessarily i'm not i wouldn't consider myself a formal public speaker but right. i do i love to do it and i think you know i don't really uh doing these interviews aren't important for me but i know that i know that i had like very potent um ideas in my mind like growing up having like women that were visible to me um and how important that was for me just to like form my beliefs on what was possible for me and so i'm happy that like i can now do this and be do public speaking and do interviews and stuff because I know somewhere even you know one young woman or one mom or whatever sees that I'm doing this and passes it on to their daughter and and uses that as an idea then that's like hugely important that's a huge uh, passion of mine and it's something I know that is extremely important even if it's just it affects one young woman then I'm I've done my job so. Um, I wouldn't consider myself a public speaker, but it's something I enjoy doing and I take every opportunity to do when I can so that it, the word gets out for young women. Because like I said, I, I know I had influences for me and I want to pass, pass that on and, and pay it forward. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's something I just enjoy doing whenever I have time. Have you ever had a young lady come up to you and say, you know, thank you for the, for the words you've said, you've, you know, any success stories from these young women? Yeah, all the time. I mean, like all the time. There's not a week that goes by, especially now that this news has come out just about me being a hitting coach and stuff recently. But even just starting in like probably when I was hired first, like full time in 2014 into baseball after doing an internship and all that stuff that went on, um, I just started getting emails right away. And it's just like, I think immediately I've always had this like leadership gene about me where my parents put that in me and like early coaches and I've always been kind of a leader and a role model and somebody who likes to to serve that role and so basically as soon as I was hired full-time in 2000 or 2014 I just started getting these emails that it, it like it brought to light the responsibility that I have and I gladly like glad to take that on like glad to have that responsibility I feel privileged to have the responsibility to be a role model and um, yeah, it's, it happens all the time. It's happening more now. And I, I welcome all of that. And I'm happy mm -hmm. to talk to anyone that reaches out because I, like, again, I can't say it enough. I'm not the first woman to like do anything important, you know, like there's plenty <laughs> of women that came before me in sports even. And even with the Yankees, you got Gene Afterman with the Yankees. And mm -hmm. there's so many women that came before me that I looked to maybe not in this exact role. Of course, I'm the first one maybe to do this exact role. Um, but there's so many women before me that I look to. And so for me to like pass that on and, and be able to take on that responsibility for future women, is just something I really take, you know, seriously, I don't take it lightly. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very good. And, uh, well, I had a comment from, uh, Jared, uh, which is actually one of the questions I was going to ask because the Yankees had a record 30 players sent to the injured list last year. So this is a strength and conditioning question, but is there anything you may have noticed with a guy like judge that might help cut down on potential injuries? So we'll say judge and the rest of the Yankee uh, team, like as a strength and conditioning coach, coach, what are your thoughts on all of that craziness that went on and could, could they be doing something different? I don't know. You, you, you have to explain this. Or was it a um, fluke? 
you know, here's what I'll say. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not in the organization. I don't, you know, like I, or I wasn't rather I am now, but like, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. And like, I just, I, I wouldn't mind putting this out to the world. Like, I don't know what happened, but I will tell you, there's a lot of factors that go into injuries. And that's like way beyond the weight room. You got to think these guys spend in season. Most players are spending maybe two hours a week in the weight room. And so there's definitely like a huge impact that strength and conditioning can have, but you also got to think like, they're also going to the cages and if somebody's in a slump they're taking you know how that goes like okay oh you're in a slump you take 150 200 swings a day because you're in a slump and you're trying to figure something out and then all of a sudden with a week later you you come up with an oblique injury and everyone's like oh must be the weight room like wait (laughs) wait a second there's just so much else going on that you don't take into account and furthermore like this is also i mean i don't know anything about judge i don't know about the yankees but this is like a broad concept of just life Hey, uh, we're traveling a lot. You know, we're flying across the country. You're not sleeping very well on a plane or on a bus. Um, the the nutrition isn't great, or there's a lot of at the major league level, nutrition is wonderful, but there's also access to a lot of other food that's not so wonderful. Right. And there's also access to alcohol, and there's also access to late nights and right. maybe not sleeping very much. And so. When we talk about injuries and what can we do from a strength and conditioning standpoint, no doubt there's things that we can do, but, you know, don't discredit also, like, there's a lot of other factors that go into injuries. Um, And I think that we're getting better as an industry at, like, taking a more holistic look at what's going on in the player's life. I mean, all the family stress, it could be anything that leads to a soft tissue injury over the course of time. It's not just like, well, he squatted yesterday, so, you know, that must be it. You know, kind of that's kind of John Carlos Stanton's MO, though. The guy sneezes and he gets hurt. That's unbelievable. <laughs> we were as Yankee fans. I mean, I can speak for a lot of Yankee fans right now. We were going crazy this year. I mean, one injury after the next. One guy is out. The next guy comes back. He's out now. Like it was just, uh, just Aaron Boone was like he was a magician last year. I don't know how the hell they won over a hundred games, but. Uh, yeah. It was frustrating for every single Yankee fan that I know. It was very frustrating last year. So, sure. you yeah, know. There's just a lot going on. You just never – you cannot pinpoint one thing for an injury. That's that's for sure. So. Mm-hmm. Very true. And uh, also, I uh, wanted to ask you as well. Um, I know you said uh, that you got involved with baseball seven years ago. Mm-hmm. It was about seven years ago. Okay. Now, yeah. before you got involved with baseball, what were your goals and aspirations before the whole baseball thing popped up? Uh, I mean, okay, well, yeah. When I was really young, I think, like, pretty quickly, I, went, I knew I wanted to be a strength coach, like, in college. Uh, more or less, anyone in baseball knows what the yips are, and I uh, – I am in the Hall of Fame for yips. <laughs> you didn't know this? Like, if there was a Hall of Fame of the yips, I would be like the main exhibit. Uh, basically, in college, I just had a re- really like horrible case of game anxiety um, to the point where like I was a catcher and I couldn't throw back to the pitcher, but also like it leaked into every part of my game. I mean, I, I struggled hitting batting practice at, at one point there. So um, I just didn't have a great college career. And so I really took to the weight room as a place where I could contribute to the team and where I, I knew like, okay, I go in the weight room, I worked hard and I saw results like one plus one equals two. But if you, if you know anything about the yips, 
you can work as hard as you want and one plus one equals six. Like it just <laughs> does not add up. Like I could do as much work as I wanted to and then I would get into a pressure situation and like launch the ball out of, into outer space. Like it just was the weirdest. <laughs> so uh, again, if you know anything about the yips, then you know what I'm talking about. So, oh yeah, anyway. I, I have the yips uh, waking up in the morning. I fall out of bed. That's a yip <laughs> right there. <laughs> Yeah, so I basically, um, I took to the weight room pretty quickly in college, and it was just, again, a source of, like, where I could be a leader, where I could contribute, where I could, you know, show that I had a good attitude, and, like, my hard work was paying off for me, and I wanted to make that into a career, so pretty quickly, I knew I wanted to be a strength coach, and the um, the funny story about me getting into baseball is I thought baseball was really boring, because uh, as a softball How player... How dare you? You know, I mean, I just, like, as a softball player, I was, like the game is just very quick like it's fast you can't you can't just like come up on a little grounder and take your time and throw it to first base the way that you can in baseball sometimes everything is anything could be a hit anything so um anyway i just i started dating this guy in college that i never used to tell this story and now it's just been so long i don't care um i dated a guy who played baseball and i would like this was in college at new mexico and I would go to his games and I'd be like, what? These guys are so lazy. Like, just take, you know, they just take their time on everything. Like, I just hated baseball. I was like, this is, this game is so slow. It's so boring. <laughs> and then he actually ended up getting drafted and played for the Dodgers in the minor league system. So then we both graduated at the same time. And I was going through my internships and strength and conditioning. And I was climbing the ranks, like, in my career. But I was also simultaneously through his experiences learning about the minor league system. And I just became uber fascinated with just like the business of professional baseball because everyone sees, you know, everyone sees the Yankees on TV, right? But there's just this onion of just amazing, wow, cultural uh, things that are going on with the Dominican Republic. And just, there's just so many layers to the minor league system that I found to be incredibly fascinating. And I was kind of living in secondhand through my boyfriend watching him do this. And I just like, became fascinated with the business and just learning more about it and so as I was like kind of about to graduate from LSU and and getting my master's degree and having those experiences I thought well I I wanted to get into professional baseball because I became so fascinated with it through him I read Moneyball in my master's degree I kind of you know just again more of a fascination with the business surrounding it and then Mm -hmm. strength and conditioning was definitely my foot in um, and then since then, it's just grown and grown and, and becoming more and more fascinated with with how the entire operation works, because baseball is very different than than any other professional sport or any sport out there. So. So, yeah, that's kind of how it evolved into um, being in professional baseball and, and going along my career. So, mm-hmm. well, I want to talk about, you know, since you know we're on the subject of strength and conditioning, I found some very impressive clips of you doing your oh, training. And I wanted to share this so our viewers understand here how serious oh, you really are. But, uh, I mean, check this out here. I mean, I can't do this. I, I mean, I can do it with the assistance of someone, I think. But I don't think I could do this on my own. This is very impressive. So what is this called right here? What is that? Oh, that would be a clean and jerk. Yeah. Got it. Oh, gosh. Okay. We got a whole highlight reel. <laughs> Yeah, I try to clip some to some cool ones together that I thought were really cool. Look at yeah. that. I mean, that's great stuff. I know that's a pull-up, but that's like a, yeah. something else that uh, I don't want to oh, repeat gosh, right yeah. now what I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I was pretty fortunate. Like, my 
my background in strength and conditioning was just, oh, yep. I, I had some really excellent mentors, like in the, in the realm of strength and conditioning early on. So like when I was, uh, I mean, even starting with my dad, like we're, we're talking about when I was young, my dad would take me to the gym. And ultimately I think that's a really truthfully, like the foundationally how I'm minding conditioning is just, I never, especially as a young lady, like I never felt out of place in the gym and that's, I would credit that to my dad. So shout out to Jim Balkovec, my first ever strength coach. Shout out. He like, yeah, he, um, when I was like 10 or 11, I probably at the time I was just like, oh, I want to hang out with my dad. And I was like, oh, you're going to the gym. Take me to the gym with you. And he just would take me and Lord knows what I was doing. I don't know what I was doing. I was probably <laughs> doing what my dad did, you know, bicep curls and leg press and whatever. But the, but the important thing there, and I talk about this now is like, he just, he put me in the gym and I probably was the only girl, but I didn't know at, at that time. You don't know. I'm just hanging out with my dad. Mm -hmm. So he never put it in my head that I didn't belong there. And then, you know, by the time I was 16, like he, I would go with him by the time I was 16, I had my own car, I would go by myself. And then by that time I was serious about softball and I was working towards a, a college scholarship. And so then I was going by myself to the gym, doing whatever I was doing, who knows. <laughs> then when I got to college, I was already into lifting. I already, it was already part of my, you know, MO. That's how I did my, my training. It was a part of me being an athlete. And then I had some just excellent strength and conditioning coaches in college that, Again, they made, we were lifting heavy in season. We were doing very technical lifts. We were doing the Olympic lifts, which are probably some of the most technical, like you just saw, it's a very technical lift and you have to know what you're doing to both do it and to coach it. And those are, I, I don't use the word lucky a lot, but I got very lucky in college to just have some really great strength and conditioning coaches that taught us really great technique. And also, again, did not put the fear of God in us that we couldn't lift overhead or that we couldn't be doing these things mm -hmm. um, that were very difficult to learn. They just taught us. And that's how I, you know, it's how I grew, grew up in strength and conditioning. And so that's kind of like stuck with me as I've gone throughout my career and, and definitely even now in my own personal training. Really cool. And uh, Ralph also has a question. What do you think your biggest challenge will be this year? Good question, Ralph. Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> that is a good question. Um, I don't know. I always say like throwing batting practice. <laughs> like that's so, that's like a tough. I I have the yips. Remember, like my my career ended because of the yips. So throwing batting practice is gonna take some like mental preparation, of course. But uh, have you no, been practicing? Oh yeah, I, I'm throwing. I'm throwing for sure. Where where? Um, so what state are you in? I'm in Seattle, Washington, right now. Okay. Uh, so like, yeah, driveline baseball is a a pretty well-known baseball performance facility and they're in Seattle and that's where I'm finishing my research. So I'll be there until I move to Tampa, um, in about a month here actually. So, uh, but yeah, more like more seriously, what, what is my biggest challenge? I think like the body is something that's very familiar with me, right? I've been coaching the body for 10 years. And so coaching a swing, coaching swing mechanics is kind of second nature and just coaching the body to be able to do something. It's like, I'm just coaching the body to do something different, which by the way, I'm not unfamiliar with. And I, spent the past year in the Netherlands coaching for their national baseball and softball teams. And so um, I'm not unfamiliar with that. It's not going to be my biggest worry. My biggest worry of all things is like first and third situations, like those, you know, just like things that I haven't really thought of, I think for a really long time, mm -hmm. like the last time I thought about a first and third situation was when I was playing, you know, like, so those, 
more like game strategy and just everything that's involved with being a hitting coach. Cause it's not just coaching a swing in the cages. It's also like being able to coach on the field. And so I'm definitely going to lean on the managers and the other hitting coaches is just like, okay, what's the best way to guide people through this? I think that's probably what my biggest, you know, area of growth, which, which, um, I don't mind sharing. It's, it's not a secret. Like I'm crossing over from strength and conditioning to on-field coaching. So there's definitely going to be a learning curve there. Just like I'm sure any other coach that crosses over from, you know, just about anything. So. Ralph, I hope that answered your question. Well, so, uh, yeah, I, you know, so I see a lot of, uh, a lot of your posts are about uh, a lot of strength and conditioning. Obviously your Instagram wanted to ask you is that this is not about baseball. So obviously you're, <laughs> working for major league baseball but uh it's not about baseball so what is your your main goal uh with your social media and the message that you're you're trying to drive across yeah like that's uh i just uh, i always say like i don't really care about baseball you know i can talk all day about mechanics and i just went back to to school for a second master's degree in biomechanics and statistics to make me better at my job in baseball so like i care about baseball Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know, my my passion in life is just impacting people and empowering people and coaching like the human, you know. And so my biggest passion is really just like organizational culture, getting a team of people to work together, making an impact on a young man's life. You know, like those things like I mean, I have plenty of these accolades and, you know, okay, I've, I've made history twice under the age of 35 and I have a world series ring with my family's last name on it somewhere in my parents' basement. Like, I don't even know where it is. My biggest accomplishment that I can tell you, like my biggest accomplishment in sports right now is that there is a a little girl with the name Emily Rachel Mm -hmm. in the Dominican Republic. Uh, one of the players for the Astros named her, named his daughter after me, after, after I had, you know, coached him for a while. And, and that's wow. the biggest impact I can make, you know, just really, you know, getting them better at baseball. That's great. But like using sport as a, as a vehicle and a catalyst for change in their life, that's what's mm-hmm. the most important thing to me. And it just so happens that I work in baseball and that's how I do that. But even if I worked in any business, I don't care if I was working in a janitorial business, I would <laughs> want to make an impact in, in people's lives that we're, that are working for me or that we're working with. And that's ultimately the end goal, you know, so how do I do that? I mean, right now I'm a hitting coach, so it's in the Mm -hmm. cages and we talk about being disciplined and, you know, being a student of the game, not to be better at baseball. Yes. In the immediate to be better at baseball, but just Mm -hmm. being a student and being curious and having those qualities that are going to cross over after baseball is done. That is just absolutely the most of the most most importance to me personally. Mm -hmm. Now, is there any advice that you'd give to women who are struggling right now to find a job or trying to find their way within an organization? Uh, because, you know, you've found so, so much success and you've battled in order to get where you are today. And in my opinion, working for the greatest sports organization in the world uh, and being the first woman to do so, what advice can you give to other women out there that are that are struggling and, and kind of losing hope? You know, I, especially recently, like, I just say like, good, you know, if you're struggling, good, don't stop, you know, don't stop. And eventually when you do make it where you're going to go, because if you're really putting in the time and you're really doing things right and you're holding yourself, you're, you're respecting yourself and you're, and, and you're respectable around the athletes or whoever it is, you know, 
when you get to that point, you're going to be so much stronger and so much more prepared than everyone else around you that you should actually mm -hmm. like, you should be like, yeah, that's, this is great for me. Like well, I think back and I'm like, oh, now I kind of look at it. I'm like, oh, you weren't discriminated against. Oh, sucks for you. Like, okay, that's just made me stronger. It made me more prepared because I, because of some of the things that I faced that I had to do more internships and I had to probably work a lot longer, like without pay and, and, and shitty positions and whatever. But now all of those experiences have been so valuable in my my development as a coach and just personally that I kind of feel like I have this like ace up my sleeve, like, OK, I've had to go through more. So that's good. And so I always say my mom's like favorite saying growing up, which we used to roll our eyes at my I have two sisters, we used to roll our eyes at and say, whatever, mom, you know, and she'd say, well, life's not fair. If we were complaining about something, she'd like, she'd say, well, life's not fair. Like, what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. And now that just like rings in my ears, you know, like life's not fair. Is it fair? No. Does it matter? No. Right. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to, you can quit or just keep going, keep whatever you're going through, just keep going. And then when you do make it, because if you don't quit, eventually something's going to break. You're going to get where you want to go. It might take years, mm -hmm. you know, but when you do get there, you're going to be so much stronger as a human and also in your profession, probably because you had to take longer in, in those apprenticeship roles where you're learning and you're, you're taking those low level positions, which actually end up teaching you the most because you're learning under someone. I mean, I just view that as just like a, I just feel like that's a, that's a secret strength that I have that other people don't get the opportunity to have. So instead of looking at those struggles and of course I, in the moment, was it fun? No, like that's, <laughs> it wasn't the greatest. I don't look at those times and say, wow, it was the greatest time of my life. Um, but, but if you can just keep your wits about you and know that in the future, like it's going to pay off, you know, all those difficult times you go through, just like anything in life, difficult times that you go through, those are going to pay off tenfold. And then you're going to be in a better position because you went through those things. You couldn't have said it any, I couldn't have said it any better. Uh, not a lot of people could have, but you're absolutely right. You know, we all go through adversity in our lives, but it's how you get through it. You know, I think having that understanding, I, I, I say this a lot, but having that understanding that it's never going to go your way. There's always going to be negativity. There's always going to be something that gets in your way to make you get to the goal that you want to get to. It's just a part of the game. You know, you just got to go get through those things, move forward and, find your way but uh i 100% agree with you that's that's great if uh if there's any after this interview uh a lot of times i get reached out from people they'll be like oh my god you know that was such a great interview that really hit home for me um what would be the best way for a young woman to reach out to you to ask you any questions or or anything like that um i would say at this point it's probably through my website they can reach out through instagram but uh, DMs get a little bit lost at the moment. So my website is just uh, rachelbalkovec.com and they can shoot me an email through there. Or I think my email is even on my Instagram page. But yeah, I, I'm pretty accessible. Uh, but email is definitely the best way. Awesome, awesome. I just popped up your website there so they could take a look and see that. Uh, and I, I could imagine how many DMs you're getting right now because of everything that's been going on in your life. So thank you for getting back to me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, no, so we this, get this awesome I, I show. Love I love the concept of the live interaction, and this was a lot of fun. And I'm I'm also happy to help out any Yankees fan. So thanks for having me on. 
Uh, it was my absolute pleasure to have you. I'm going to honestly tell you, I wish you nothing but the best of luck with the Yankees organization. Everything that you do in your life, not only with the Yankees, but also the wonderful things that you're, you're doing, motivating young ladies to, to uh, you know, aspire for their goals and, and go after their dreams. So I think that's positive and great that you do that. And um, again, I wish you the best of luck. And um, that's it. Let's win a World Series this year, and I want to see you next season in the Yankee dugout at Yankee Stadium. I would love to see that. Awesome. Thank you very much. You got it, Rachel. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Guys, thank you uh, for tuning in. This was a treat. It was a real, uh, real treat to have uh, – Rachel Balkovec on the podcast, the first woman in the history of Major League Baseball to be hired as a hitting coach. She's very humble, uh, just a wonderful, wonderful woman. And as you can see, very positive. And she just wants to have a positive impact with all the people around her. And I think that's especially at the professional level that she's at now. That's the kind of person you want working for your organization. Uh, so, again, I'm wishing her nothing but the best of luck. Uh, again, if you need to reach out to Rachel, if you have any questions, uh, she's super motivational, as you could tell. But again, check out her website. I wanted to pop that up again, uh, rachelbalkovec.com. And uh, yeah, you could also follow her on Instagram at rachel.balkovec. She's got some really cool posts, lifting weight much heavier than I can lift. It's pretty cool. Um, so again, guys, thank you for tuning in to this edition of a Guy Think Podcast live experience. Uh, do me a favor. Uh, if you have Apple Podcasts, give me a five-star rating. It really helps me grow my show, get the analytics up, and reach a much wider audience. So thank you guys for that. Thank you to all the Yankee fans and my usual suspects that uh, that always tune in. And again, please follow me at a guythinkpodcast.com. Uh, actually, at a Guy Think Podcast on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, the whole nine, and of course the website, guythinkpodcast.com. And please do me a favor and subscribe. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you guys for tuning in on a sub Sunday evening. Have a great short week at work. Hopefully you're off for New Year's. Uh, if not, don't get too drunk New Year's Eve. That's my advice for the week. Thank you guys. God bless and have a great night.